Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this special Mother's Day edition of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with the matriarch of the Boone baseball family, his mom, the one, the only, Sue Boone. Hey, Mom! The meatloaf! We want it now! The meatloaf! What is she doing? I never know what she's doing back there. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast today on the program. And you know what? A lot of times I say we have a special guest, but today might be my most special guest yet. She's probably seen more baseball games than anyone I know. Between Gramps, Dad, Maddie, Aaron, and myself, she's seen her fair share. To celebrate Mother's Day, the matriarch of the Boone family, welcome Sue Boone. Hi, Mom. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, honey. Hey, nice to be here. You ready for this? I guess I'm as ready as I'm going to be. How many games have you seen in your life? I try, uh, 20,000. Well, how do you, how do you come have, up with that number? I just... I've seen more than I can possibly count is what I mean. I have no idea. I have seen a lot of ball games considering I wasn't brought up in a sports family per se. Um, I've gotten my, definitely my fair share of it. (laughs) Okay. What's, what do you think is tougher being a baseball wife or a baseball mom? (sighs) Ah, that's a good question. Because when you're watching your husband play, of course, uh, you know, you want, him, you want him to do well, and everything kind of falls on that. I mean, he's the breadwinner of our family. He's taking care of all of us. You want him to succeed. But I would have to say probably my kids. It's tougher to watch once you get to that level. Uh, it's not tough when they're younger. And I think the reason I didn't find it tough was because always being at a big league ballpark watching your father play, it made little league and high school. I I didn't get nervous about it at all. And uh, people would always ask me, gosh, you're not even nervous today. And no, I wasn't. Um, I knew what you could do. I knew you could do it. And I just kind of enjoyed it. But once you got to the major leagues, I would say it maybe even started in the minor leagues because I knew you had to do well there in order to advance to the major leagues. And so I would say, yeah, I was pretty much in tune when you guys were in the minor leagues and then on to the major leagues for sure. All right. For all us kids, uh, we had dad. Like dad had grandpa. And in in a weird way, Grandma Patsy, who was Grandpa Ray's wife, you kind of had her. She was the original matriarch of this Boone family. <laughs> but tell me about your relationship with Grandma and you coming into the family. Was that did she did she teach you anything about about the baseball world? Oh my gosh, uh, she was awesome. Grandma was absolutely awesome. I couldn't have picked a more wonderful mother-in-law than who I had. Um, not only, I remember she told me, gave me so many words of wisdom over the years, but I remember when I 
um, my first wedding shower just before we got married. She was at the wedding shower, and uh, I think this is when Boone Gifts kind of started. I opened up my gift from her, and I had gotten all these beautiful, you know, whatever, appliances, all this stuff for the house that I had on my list. And then I opened her gift, and I had a Pendleton uh, stadium blanket, a thermos, one of those big green thermoses, a set of pencils, and a score scorebook. That was my gift. And she said, I'm telling you right now, keep score. You'll enjoy the game more and you'll learn it faster. So those were wise words of wisdom, which I took to heart and I did do that. Uh, to this day, I still have the thermos. I still have the blanket. Not probably the pencils, but I do have the scorebook. Yeah, and, uh, and I remember the other thing that I think of whenever I think of grandma is she told me the first year I packed, she was going to help me pack. She showed me how to fold dad's t-shirts so that I could pack them correctly. And she also told me, don't go anywhere without your electric fry pan. Pack it with you everywhere because you can make every meal out of that, which nowadays they'd laugh at. But you know what? She was right. I, I still have that fry pan and I use it to this day. <laughs> I used it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, Grandma, Grandma, she was an amazing lady. I mean, she... Yes, she was. First of all, she had to deal with my grandpa, who was not the easiest <laughs> at times. He True. was easy for me. He was easy for me to deal with. But um, Grandma Patsy, what I remember about her is always very quiet, behind the scenes. She was the rock behind the scenes, but she would. She was unbelievable at keeping score. I couldn't imagine how many scorecards she kept between, you know, grandpa in the minor leagues, in the big leagues, dad in the big leagues, dad at college, high school. And I know, it, you know, up until uh, the time she passed away, I know she every game she came to of mine, when we'd come to San Diego, the family would always come out, and Grandma always kept score. So what I'm saying, and, and think of the game she went with Grandpa. Uh, for those of you listening to the Boone podcast, my, my Grandpa, when he retired, he became, he became a scout for the Boston Red Sox and scouted for 40 years. So he was on the beat, you know, and he was going to minor league games and high school games and college games, you know, always preparing for the next draft. And Grandma would get in the RV with Gramps and she'd go with them everywhere. And they would get to the game early and they would watch infield and watch batting practice. And grandma would sit there right next to him. So imagine how many times grandma Patsy actually really did keep score, not including just our family, but all of Gramps scouting. It's, it's mind boggling. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Better woman uh, than I, she, she kept, many more games than I did. That's well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say better woman. You've logged your your fair share of games, but you just weren't. You just weren't uh, the scorekeeper like she was. That's all. All no, right. No. I kind of know this. I kind of know the story, but I'm going to let you tell it. You're going to. You probably know it a little better. Where did you meet Dad? Oh gosh, I met Dad at a. I actually met Dad at a football game. I went to watch a scrimmage in high school. I was in 10th grade and I was kind of dating this guy, but not really. 
And I went to watch him play. And I ended up sitting in front of dad because he had just broken his arm in the football game. He was the quarterback on the varsity team. He had broken his arm and he was sitting behind me. And we just got to talking during the game. And um, that's how, that's when I first met him. And then he asked me out the following week um, to go to a dance at school and I accepted and that, that was it. And we, with the exception of maybe a couple weeks in there, we were together from that point on. When's the, uh, when's the first time you got to meet grandpa? Oh my gosh. You know this story and it's embarrassing kind of. Well, um, that's why you're here to tell it. <laughs> um, I met grandpa for the first time at one of dad's basketball games. And coming from a family of six girls and I had have one brother, um, we always dressed up always. And back then you kind of dressed up more than you do nowadays. It was, uh, you know, when I went to school every day, I dressed up. I just did. Well, anyway, I went to the basketball game that night and I came in, I was, I was dressed up. I can't remember if I was wearing heels or not, but I knew I was dressed up because we were going to go out after the game. But I had on this like leopard print furry coat. And I, I saw Bob's parents across on the other side. They always sat in the same spot up in the corner and it was kind of their spot. And I was going to walk over and introduce myself. So I walked across the court, walked down to where they were, introduced myself. Grandpa was very nice. And grandma was, of course, wonderful. And um, talked to them a little bit. I don't remember if I sat with them or not. I probably went back to my seat, but I did meet them. And didn't think much about it until, oh gosh, the following week. Um, I think it, I can't remember. I think it was his sister maybe that told me, but she said, grandpa said to grandma, don't worry, Patsy, this will pass. <laughs> That's all she said. That's all well, he said to her. This too will pass. Like I was the farthest thing from an athlete. Um, but, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Sometimes opposites attract, I guess. I'll tell you. And if you don't know grandpa, that, that is not out of line for him to say that. He, he always would say that. <laughs> no. said, hey, when, when you're when I was coming up in the minor leagues, you know, or in high school or in college, anytime there was a girl involved that I was, going out on a date. Hey, be careful with those girls. I'll bring you down. <laughs> I'd say, Gramps. <laughs> I say, Gramps, what about you with grandma? Different, different generation. That's what he would tell me. But, uh, oh, yeah. you had to know him, but man, he was, he was such an awesome guy, but he was old, old school. And what he believed is what he believed. Okay. Yeah. Dad in high yeah. school, you know, he was kind of yeah. more, he took more of the Aaron route, you know, kind of, uh, I hate to say it, but, you know, he, he was kind of like a really cool nerd. He's, uh, <laughs> but he was the stud on the basketball team, the stud on the baseball team, stud on the football team. I assume he was on the, I don't know. He was probably on the, on the uh, yearbook committee. Tell me about no, uh, dad, was, dad no, a little bit a in high school. He was ASB president. And, um, all of those things you said, yeah, 
he was kind of a big man on campus, but and and a cool. I guess I guess you'd look at him as a cool as in a nerdy kind of way, but not really. You know, tall, dark, and handsome. That's all I saw. And and when I say nerdy, you know, I say that half kiddingly. No, he's just. Ab- in, in that, I know. Right in the in the uh, dynamic of the Boone boys, um, Dad and Aaron tend to to be like minded. Uh, you know, their personalities are similar. I see a lot of lot of uh, Dad in Aaron, especially as he gets older. Just like I saw a lot of uh grandpa and dad as he gets older it's interesting to watch and then matthew and myself we're kind of we're kind of different from a personality standpoint but but it all works it all works really good all right so dad gets a scholarship to stanford and uh we'll tell that story a little bit about stanford oh gosh well the first year he went away i was still in high school so um, I tried to get up and visit him whenever I could for a day. And um, back then you could fly kind of cheap. So um, I would go up and visit him. And the following year, as soon as I graduated, he was actually playing in Alaska that summer. And um, we were planning to get married in September. And in August, I met him. He was coming from Alaska. They played in the co- actually in the World Series or whatever they called it back then with the uh, Summer League. And I got to see him for a few days, which is kind of nice. And then we got married in September. Um, we lived off campus the first two years um, that we lived up there. And then the third year, we lived on campus in student housing. And it was, it was great. We had a wonderful time. Dad belonged to a fraternity, Zeta Psi. And between that and the baseball games that... Um, I was always at the field and I worked as a ground hostess because before we got married, I was a flight attendant um, for PSA Airlines. And if you got married, you didn't get to fly anymore. Those were the rules back then. They had a lot of their, their rules were pretty strict. So I got a job as a ground hostess. So I worked at the San Jose airport and he went to school and uh, yeah, we were there for three years. We had, uh, I got home from Alaska. We went to Alaska the third summer, I think, second summer. Um, we were up at Stanford, and I remember coming home, and my mom met me at the plane, and she looked at me, and she said, oh, she said, you're pregnant. And I said, what? She said, yeah, you're pregnant. And I said, no way. I had no idea. And sure enough, little Brett, I was pregnant with you when I came home from Alaska that summer. And uh, there you go. So we, you lived with us in student housing that last year that dad was at Stanford. And I don't really remember that. <laughs> but that's I'm a little, sure, that's a I'm little, sure you don't. That's a little far <laughs> back for me to go. Okay, so you're on. Dad gets, uh, goes to Stanford for four years, gets his degree, and you're off to the minor leagues. And, and that's interesting for me uh, to hear it from your perspective. The time... Um, that's where you got to meet some of your lifelong friends. When you talk about Greg Luzinski, who we had, who we had on the podcast recently and Mike Schmidt and, and the wives. And uh, just, just tell me about those, those first couple of years in the minor leagues. Oh God. We went to Raleigh Durham our first summer after dad graduated and um, played there. Um, that is the year I did meet actually 
Greg Luzinski, I didn't really know him very well at the time, but he came up and introduced him. We were at a little team party, I think, in our complex. And he asked me if I could please come outside and talk to him for a minute. And I said, yeah, sure. So I went and talked to him. He says, I just want to let you know that my girlfriend's coming to town tomorrow. And I think you guys are really going to hit it off. I think he's, you're really going to like her. And I would really appreciate it if you would just kind of hang with her, you know, the week that she's here. And I said, oh, sure, you know, no problem. Well, and we are friends to this day. We became friends at that time, and um, we're still friends. We talk weekly, and we live together many times. And um, and so that was probably my first good friendship in minor league baseball. We had a lot of wonderful friends that kind of came and went, but she was the my first probably that I still have. And then Michael... Uh, I met in AAA, um, Mike Schmidt, and um, he wasn't married at the time, but we became friends, obviously, then. And, oh, gosh, there's so many ball players I can't even remember. I mean, but, yeah, it was just – minor leagues were wonderful. We We had so much fun. It was so simple and just a lot of fun. Some of my great memories are with all those people that we spent in the minor leagues. But I remember Mike and Greg probably stand out the most to me because we're still good friends to this day. It wasn't until we got to the major leagues where, you know, I became close friends with a lot, everybody else. But those were the two that stand out to me. Okay, so Dad gets called up in 72 for the first time with the Phillies. Now, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, you know, I can talk what it's like to be called up. What's it like being the wife of a, of, you know, of a husband that gets called to the big leagues for the first time? And I want to know, what was that day like? And how did grandpa respond to it? Oh, my gosh. You really want me to dig back. I don't know that I can even remember. I know we were to- so excited because we knew there was a chance he'd be called up in September we were very excited. And, um, I, to tell you the truth, I don't even think you were, you were about eight, 18 months old. I don't even think I went back there when dad got called up the first time. It was just the month of September. And I think I ended up going home to San Diego at the time. And of course, grandpa was ecstatic and grandma. Um, you know, we, we would watch the games. um, if we could get them on TV and uh, I'd talk to dad every night and um, Oh, this is a funny story. I might have to interject this. When we were in the minor leagues, we did, we couldn't watch any ball games or anything. And Jean and I usually stayed together when the guys were on the road because Kimmy, their oldest daughter had colic and you would sleep all the time. So we'd take turns one night. I'd get Kim one night. I'd get you. And we'd do this on the road trips. Well, every night we'd wait until we thought the ball game might be over. And then we'd take turns paying because it cost like 15 cents to call to get the scores. And all we could get was the scores. And I remember that we were so worried that we'd get in trouble because we were spending 15 cents to make that phone call. <laughs> but we used to do that every night. And that was the only way we could find out what was going on in the ball games. Anyway, I thought that was kind of a cute story. Yeah, um, in school. 
and it's sign of the times. And I mean, imagine today, you know, it's everything's that for you, you wear that, that stupid Apple wristwatch. You're, you're trying to get, you get scores from your watch, but back then that was, you know, that was the only way you could do it. Oh, we couldn't hear about the games at all. And it drove us crazy. And then sometimes they'd, Every once in a while, they'd put it on the radio, but the radio connection wasn't very good. It was like it was like old time TV where you had to put tinfoil on rabbit ears. I mean, we had to like take it outside, hold the radio with the extension cord up in the air to try to get the, and we could barely hear the ball game. So yeah, good times, good times. <laughs> All right, so now Dad's in the big leagues, and uh, 1973 is his first full season. And right. that's when it, that's when Aaron's born. Right. right. Aaron was and, born. Yep. And what I remember about those days is, and you know, cause at the, now I'm what, four years old or getting to my fourth birthday. And I remember that's right. when we start going to spring training. We go to Clearwater and it was an annual right. trip for us. And, and back then it was kind of normal in the Luzinski's and we'd carpool down to, to spring training. And, and, you know, at first we stayed at the place, place called Holiday Villas, which was right on the beach. And then the next year we moved somewhere else. And eventually we had a house on stilts. And those are a lot of fun times that I remember. Aaron and, and myself, you know, remember most. Maddie was still six years away from being born. So he doesn't have much memories of those Philly days. But uh, talk a little bit about what you remember about those days going to spring training. I remember I had to get, you got me the tutor. I had to get all my work for spring training, but it was kind of cool. They let me leave for six weeks and and I didn't have to be in class and I had a a tutor and I'd have to do school every day. And I'd try to rush that along as quick as I could so I could get to the ballpark if dad would let me go that day. But tell your version of it. Spring training is probably my favorite time of year every year. I mean, figure I've been going to spring training now for what 50 some years this year was the first year I didn't go to spring training and I really missed it Clearwater Beach is absolutely magnificent and as you can tell uh, I mean as you can tell people too it's just beautiful we always had a nice place they weren't always fantastic places Um, the first year actually you don't remember this but we shared a house with Luzinski's and um, on Lantana Avenue, I remember, and we um, uh, had a little two-bedroom, kind of a rundown house, but it was all we could really afford, and Kimmy and you were babies at the time, and that was probably the place we liked the least, and then the following year, we moved to Holiday Villas. That's where you'd remember. I mean, we'd walk out of our, our back door, and there's the pool, and you take another few steps and you're right on the beach. And, um, oh, there were so many. The McGraws, Tug and Phyllis McGraw lived on the beach. Tom and Nancy Seaver lived there by us. Um, the Luzinskis, Mike and Donna Schmidt lived by us. And um, let's see. We all lived right like within two blocks of each other up and down that beach. And we'd get together at night. And barbecue on the beach, everybody would bring food, and we'd do this all the time. I mean, we ate out all the time. We barbecued all the time. 
we went to the ballpark every day. You, you of course, weren't tutored in the beginning because you didn't need to be. And the teachers back then were so much more lenient as far as once you got even to the first grade or something, they just said, oh, just have him write a little paper and talk about what he's doing, more like a little journal. Um, it wasn't until a little later that you got a tutor. But you're right. I took you to the ballpark every day, unless it was far away. And you guys got to go in with dad and just hang there all day. And he'd come home at the end of the day and we'd barbecue and hang out on the beach. I mean, it was like, it was so nice. It was so fun. And uh, we have so many good memories of all the people we lived by and spent time with. And yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It was great. Yeah, those are definitely some fun years. My childhood, you know, all the things I've got to do in my life and all the, you know, Aside from my career, just early on, those are some of my fondest memories with those years, those 70s Phillies teams and all the guys that we got to hang around with and, you know, still today. And, and they come on the podcast now. And Schmidt, talks about yeah. changing my diaper when when he was little. And, and uh, we yeah. had him on about a month ago. Uh, neat stuff. All right. We're going to skip forward. We're going to go to 1979. Dad makes the all-star team. And I'm going to let you tell the story. In Seattle. Oh, gosh. Right. Okay. Well, you have to remember back then that, uh, I, I mean, when I had you, first of all, when I got pregnant with you, when I was going to have you, dad was still up at school. I had come home because the doctor didn't want me to travel the last six weeks or so. So when I went into labor, they had to page dad, find him at the cow palace up in San Francisco. He was at a game and he um, had to fly home and he got there just before you were born. With Aaron, um, he wasn't there either. He was playing ball. And back then, they, the guys didn't leave their team and come home and wait for the baby to be born. You know, they stayed with the team. And so I ended up having Aaron, um, and I didn't see Dad until Aaron was six weeks old. I flew to Cincinnati. That's where he was playing. The Phillies were in town. And I remember getting on the elevator with you and Aaron and I got on the elevator. Pete Rose was on the elevator and he saw you before dad did and, or saw you and Aaron before dad did. And then, uh, um, dad, you know, I saw dad a little bit, a few minutes later, but anyway, that's how, so when Matthew was born, dad made the all-star team and, he knew it, I was going to have a C-section with Maddie. And he says, he knew I was probably going to have the baby. And I said, there's no way you're missing this all-star game. I said, plus Brett and Aaron were so excited and they wanted to go so badly. I said, you've got to go. I mean, you have to go. And so he did. And I remember I went to the hospital. Gene Lozinski went with me and, um, I had Matthew, um, I think, was it the morning? I think the morning of the All-Star game. And the hospital caught on fire. And I had to evacuate through the window. And Gene had to come pick me up in the parking lot and took me home. That was my experience. I, don't, I didn't see the All-Star game. I didn't see any of that. But I did have, I did have a baby. <laughs> and Dad got to see Matthew a few days later. So that's just kind of how it was back then. And me and Aaron got to, I think that was our, well, I don't know if that was our first uh, all-star game we got to go to. We might've gone to one earlier, but 
We and had a good I time. Remember, we didn't care. We well, didn't know. We didn't know who Matthew was. No, and I remember we had picked out the name. I'm trying to think what name we picked out for Matthew. It wasn't Matthew. It was, uh, I can't even remember. We picked out a name, and out in the newspaper the next day, it said, you can't name him this. His name is Matthew Joseph. And I thought, oh, my gosh. It, that was the headlines in the paper. Bob Boone's wife gives birth. You can't name him whatever name we had picked out. You need to name him Matthew Joseph. So that's what we did. We named him Matthew Joseph. Um, and Dad got home a couple of days later with you guys, and you had a ball. I heard all the stories about the show that you and Aaron put on in the outfield and catching the balls behind your back and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was. I I'm sorry I missed it, but I'm glad I missed it. And and I'll tell, and I'll tell this story. This is one of the coolest things I've seen recently. One of the most original things I saw. So this past, uh, this past birthday for Matthew, my dad was kind of thinking, and we don't really do, you know, big gifts for birthday, but my, uh, but dad said, you know, I want to get Matthew something cool for his birthday this year. And for Matthew's the day, uh, the day of Matthew's birthday, Dad gave Matthew his 79 All-Star ring, which I thought was so cool. The day that he was born, he wasn't there. And, you know, Aaron and myself were there. But I thought that was the coolest, most original, thoughtful birthday gift. Uh, and I know Maddie really appreciated it. I thought that was that was really cool. All right. Yeah. We're, going to, we're skipping ahead a year. And that's the, the year the Phillies won the World Series, 1980. What do you remember mm-hmm. about that? How fun was it? I remember that that was a pretty awesome year. Well, I'll tell you, the year was rough. Dad didn't have the greatest of years that year at all. Not until the playoffs. And then um, he he sat on the bench a few times during that year, and it was kind of an up and down year for him. And I just remember this was when they just before they clinched it. I remember. I can still see myself sitting on the, we had a brass four poster bed at that time. And I remember sitting on the bed, holding on to the poster, uh, the post, and I was watching the ball game and dad wasn't starting the game. And we, I can't even remember all the details. I'm so bad at this, but we were playing Montreal. And I remember in the ninth inning, we were, I think we were behind by one run, maybe two. Anyway, Danny Ozark put, uh, or not Danny Ozark. Um, Dallas Green. Dallas Green, yeah. Dal- Dallas Green put Dad in the pinch hit. And I was, I remember I started crying. I was so upset. I thought, not that I didn't have confidence in Dad, but he had had such a rough time. And I thought, here, the game is on the line, whether we go to the playoffs or not. And Dad's been struggling. You bench him. And now, all of a sudden, you're putting him in to pinch hit in the ninth inning. The game could be over. And I remember praying, praying, praying like I've never prayed before that he would just do, you know, that he would just do well. And he ended up hitting a double, tying the ball game. I think Mike Schmidt might have come up after him and hit a home run. I'm not sure. We ended up winning the game. But dad was, it was awesome. He, I was 
so excited for him. And then I remember going to Houston, watching the playoffs. And I remember Dallas Green coming to all of us wives saying, I really don't think you should go to the game. I think all of you wives should just stay home and we'll go and win the games. And, you know, back then it probably wasn't that out of character, but I was, I was so upset. I thought, no way am I going to miss this. I had sat through this entire season with him watching these guys, you know, win, struggle, win. No one's keeping me from not going. So there were about, I think the younger wives ended up staying home, but there were about six veteran wives on the club. And we all banded together. We had to fly ourselves out there. We had to pay for our own flight something. We went, we were there the whole time. And I mean, talk about a series. To this day, I don't know that I've seen another playoff series that was quite as nail-biting as this one was. I mean, I could tell you all kinds of stories about that, but it was so exciting. We won the games. We had to pack our suitcase every day because we, are, we were, you know, we, if we lost, we were going home every day, and we ended up winning, winning, winning. And it was so exciting. And uh, the World Series, it was great. It was tense. The whole thing, I have to say, is very tense when you're going through it. I mean, your heart is like on the outside of your chest the entire time, but the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. And then we won and we had that fantastic parade that was just unbelievable. I've never seen so many people in one spot in my whole life. We were riding these trucks all the way down Broad Street um, and just fans everywhere, everywhere. It was this ticker tape parade and we got to the stadium and all the guys got to talk and the stadium was full and it was, it was just great, great memories. And realizing that I remember grandma saying to me, her and grandpa had flown out to take care of Matthew because he was too little to go. And I remember grandma saying to me, just enjoy every single minute. Try to stop yourself and enjoy every single minute because you may never have another moment like this, you and Bob, ever. I mean, not many people can win a World Series. So she said, I want you to enjoy it so you don't regret not just enjoying every minute. And I remember her telling me that before I went out the door. And so I did. I tried to soak it all in. And um, I did. And we had a wonderful time. It was a great day. And Philly's fans are, as you know, outstanding. And, um, yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah, I just remember uh... – Cause I stayed the night we won. I remember being uh, in the locker room with the, with the guys during their party. And then I think you and dad were going out with a bunch of the couples. So I ended up staying at Pete's house that night. And then right. the next, and I think back then they had the parade like the next day. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I just remember riding on that parade and, and looking back on it now how cool that was at the time that was just no this is what i do this is a part of my life but looking back on how cool was that and i just remember thinking there's a lot of people here it must have and i remember being uh the clothes i was wearing were the same clothes i wore the night before but i had champagne and beer that was sprayed on me by the players and and i remember i had to get up and wear those same clothes and i and i see pictures of that parade with me on one of the 
one of the uh, floats. And, and I remember I said, yeah, that was that velour shirt I was wearing. I'll never forget it. All right, 82, Dad Heads to the Angels. Now, for the people listening to the Boone Podcast, we grew up in, in New Jersey, just outside of Philly, and we were Jersey kids, the Boone boys. And I remember when Dad got uh, traded to the Angels, we were thinking, there is no way we're going to California. We're Jersey kids. We don't go out to California. Oh, surf's up, dude. We didn't like any of that stuff. And at first, Dad said, okay, I'm going to go to the Angels. And, and he kept us in New Jersey. until and, and we'd go out and visit him and stay in Mission Viejo the first summer that Dad played for the Angels. And I guess it got to a point where Dad just you know, kind of was like, no, this isn't going to work. I've got to move my family out there. Looking back, best choice I think he ever made, you know, for us growing up being, being baseball players. But at the time, do you remember, uh, the, the, uh, pushback you got from the boys on moving to California? Oh, absolutely. You and Aaron were, there's no way you wanted to move. And like you said, we, we were kind of embedded in New Jersey and we loved it and all our friends were there and everything. And, um, I remember dad and I talking about it and you were in ninth grade at the time and you had made the varsity baseball team in ninth grade. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, um, we have to pull bread out, you know, of school. And I wasn't as worried about Aaron cause Aaron was still in elementary school, but I remember you being in high school and that was the big reason we decided we had to move them because you were going to be, Actually, you had already started high school, but in California, it was 10th grade what high school started. So we thought, if we're going to move, we got to move now so Brett can start high school in California. And that was the reason we moved when we did, um, so you could start high school and play baseball. <coughs> so we did. And it was hard. You complained a lot in the beginning. But, I mean, you turned into a California kid almost immediately. In the beginning... You dressed a little differently. I remember I remember uh, you went to school. You'd have a tie on sometime with a vest. And, I mean, you were duded out. And um, it, it, that didn't last real long. I mean, by the end of your 10th grade year, you had bleached your hair. You told me, I remember I woke up one morning and your hair was orange. And I said to you, Brett, what happened to your hair? And you said, Mom, I have no idea. I think something came through the vents. I don't know. But I didn't do anything. This is just what happened when I woke up this morning. That was your story. And I'm like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. But that's when the frosting of the blonde hair started, I think. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we rocked it for a long time. No, I... I oh, uh, my God. Yeah, it, it was such a... Uh, I, re, I do remember. I remember coming out from, from New Jersey... And at that time, you know, in the early 80s, and if you were a kid in New Jersey, you did. You were kind of preppy and, and you wore yeah. hush puppies and you wore, uh, you wore corduroys and you wore nice pleated pants to school. That was kind of the hip thing to do in New Jersey at the time. I remember coming to California and I'd walk into class and I mean, the kids here have shorts, flip flops, T-shirts, and they're kind of <laughs> looking at me like, who's this guy? And I was I was not going to give in though because I had you know I had that hair parted in the center feathered back Jersey style, and I'm walking around these surfers. Everybody's got the short blonde hair, and I'm just 
I, I did. I fought it for, <laughs> I probably fought it for six months. And then uh, I knew you were going to tell that story. I didn't even have to ask you. I, I, I was prepared for it, but I knew that's one of your favorite. All right. Out of the three of us, Aaron, Matt, myself, who was easiest growing up? Easiest? Yeah. Oh, Aaron. Absolutely. Aaron was the easiest. I mean, Aaron always just kind of always followed the rules. Kind of, you know, his grades were always great. I never really had to reprimand him. You know, a couple of times. Not much. You, I always worried about. Um, because you were always pulling some kind of... Nothing ever bad, but just stupid little high school pranks that kids do. And, um, you know, I'd hear about it after the fact most of the time. Because you didn't get in the kind of trouble where, you know, bad trouble. It was just stupid stuff. I remember, or you'd go to a, I remember going to a basketball game and you were in the back of the car and we get to the basketball game and you only brought one shoe with you and, you, you know, you'd forget half your uniform and I just, I, you were just kind of a mess, you know, off and on. I mean, messy in your room and just, you know, but you managed to make it through. Your grades were good. You just, I worried about you. And then Matthew kind of came along and he was kind of, uh, eh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe Matthew. He's kind of a cross. He's more like you. He's more like you. Aaron was kind of different. And the two of you are more alike. Just like when ask, people ask me about the three of you, all three of you are alike in so many ways. I think when it comes to your foundation and everything like that, but yet your personalities are all very different. You and I have always had a very, very close relationship. I don't know if that's because you were my firstborn, but I talk to you, as you know, probably more than you even like. But we talk almost every day, I would say, on the phone. Aaron, I probably talk to once a week. He checks in with me, see how, sees how I'm doing and all of that. Matthew, probably three or four times a week. Matthew's my talker by far. You're kind of in the middle. You can be a talker and you can be quiet. And then Matthew's my quiet one. So you're all very different in that respect, but uh, the same in a lot of ways. Even talent-wise, you were all totally different talent-wise growing up. Um, you always did things really, really fast. I mean, you walked at six months. I still remember you walking and I was going through Sears and I was shopping and people would just stare at you because you were little, stocky, and you only came to my kneecap, and you were just whipping around that store like it was nothing. People couldn't believe how little you were and that you were walking all over the place. I mean, you were diving off the high dive in, down in Puerto Rico. Do you even remember that? I remember playing tennis with Frank Robinson. Yeah, Frank Robinson taught you how to play tennis, and you were good friends with his daughter. And you swam in the swimming pool. And I remember I had to take my chair. I was really pregnant at that time. I had to take my chair and set it right by the high dive because the old people that came down there in the wintertime, they would just totally freak out when they saw you walk, going up to the high dive. And they'd all go, oh, there's a little boy on the high dive. There's a little boy. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. I'm the mom. He's Okay. And you would proceed to do a jackknife or a flip or whatever, put on a, a show. But, I mean, 
you learn how to swim when before you could even walk. You know, grandma threw you in the pool and you took off, you know. So you were swimming and doing all of those things pretty early. Um, you, I remember you got a batting machine, went from dad's high school coach when you were about 18 months old. And he, dad would set it up in my parents' backyard and it had balls the size of golf balls. And you would hit them over the house. You would hit them over our two-story house. It was unbelievable some of the stuff that you did. It was kind of kind of amazing and kind of fun to watch. And then there was Aaron who was just kind of, I always looked at him like a racehorse. He was just kind of strong and steady and just kind of continually got better and better and better all the time. But he kind of did things at a normal rate. He walked when he was like 10 months old and, um, you know, did all the things you're supposed to do. And then Maddie came along and I don't think he walked until he was like, 14 months old. He didn't do anything. And I don't know if that was because he was the baby and everybody did things for him or what, but you were all different, but the same. Does that make any sense? That makes sense. All right. I want to talk about being a baseball mom. A lot of people ask me, you know, and I'm sure ask Aaron and ask Matthew, you know, what it's like growing up with a dad that played as long as dad did. And, oh, you must've got all the tutelage. And I said, I, dad didn't teach me anything. <laughs> I learned how to hit, throw, you know, myself. Dad and myself worked together a lot once I became a professional. But I think it was because dad played so long, people don't realize this. Um, he never got to see me play, really, because he was always playing. No. So if, if I'd get out of school and I had a game at three, well, dad's already at the ballpark. So there's a handful of times. I uh, got to see me play a little bit in college. Uh, and then professionally, you know, when I was in the minor leagues, we got to play. He managed in AAA and I got to play against him. But you being the baseball mom, it's like uh, Maddie was still a little boy at the time. So you, you're, your day could be going to Aaron's Little League game, going to my high school game. And then we got to be at the Big A tonight because we got we got dad's game and I wasn't going to miss that. How did you how did you manage all that? That's well, I managed it because that's all I did. It was like, I, I, I mean, it was baseball nonstop in our house. Uh, all of you were playing at different fields at different times. And, um, I just, I, I just went, we just went, I just called you guys wherever you went. You go to Aaron's game, Aaron would go to your game. We'd jump in the car. And like you said, we'd go to the ballpark and, um, then once Matthew started playing, I think you might've been in college. Your first, I remember your first year of college, Aaron was in high school. Maddie was in junior high. I would go to Maddie's game, Aaron's game. I get in my car and drive up to USC to see your game. Dad's game. Dad got the shaft. I just listened to his game on the radio usually on those days, but there was a year in there and it might've been Aaron's senior year. I think it was where I was seeing upwards of 18 ball games a week. So there really wasn't a whole lot of time for anything else besides baseball. I would just go to all the games and that was it. And that went on. Yeah. All through, you know, your growing up years. I mean, there were a lot of baseball games, um, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was busy. I'm glad I was young. What was the difference for you um, 
between we talked about it earlier in the podcast we talk about when you got you guys got called to the big leagues in philadelphia in 1972 what was the difference between that and when i got called up or when aaron got called up was that different as a mom versus a versus a wife oh yeah totally different um i mean we were super excited i would dad and i were so excited when he got called up to the phillies i mean that had been his dream forever is to play in the big leagues and when he got called up i mean nothing really could have matched it at the time but then once you have your children it takes on a whole different a whole different feeling i mean they're your children you know and um, when you, it's like watching your children grow and their dream is, I always felt like all of you could have done whatever you wanted to do when you put your mind to it. I mean, there was nothing you wanted to do except play baseball from the time you were little, that's all you wanted to play. And I knew that when you ended up signing and going to play ball, it was like your dream came true. I mean, that's what you wanted to do. And for a mom to be able to watch their child grow up and actually do what they want to do, what they have a passion for, there's no feeling like it. It doesn't matter if it's baseball or if you're a doctor or a lawyer. I think every mother would probably say the same thing, that for a child to attain their dream and be able to play it out is pretty amazing pretty amazing we're very blessed in that way for sure well after our call-ups and and for those of you listening to the boone podcast sue boone listens to every possible game you can listen to so my dad is is the vice president of the nationals aaron's managing the new york yankees she's got grandkids games all over but she's always listening to all of them and I'll, i'll tease her a little bit and uh I say, do you really have to hear every inning? Aaron's not even playing. He's managing. Or <laughs> Dad's sitting on the couch, but you're listening to that Washington National game. That back in the back in the day, Matthew's in the minor leagues. I'm I'm playing somewhere. Aaron's playing somewhere, and Dad's managing somewhere. So you had four games to keep track of every day on a professional level as well. Right, right. I remember that was the first time we ever got. This was before the nice little flat screen TVs and the lightweight ones. And I remember in Villa Park, we finally built a big um, wall unit that would hold three TVs so that I could turn all the games on at the same time. I would turn your game on and Aaron's game on and dad's game on. Matthew wasn't playing yet. And um, I would watch all the games and it never failed. It seemed like every single time you would get up, Aaron would be up. Or dad would be up. It was like, and it it was like, I'm watching all three screens going back and forth. It was kind of crazy. But, um, ah, I'd like to wiggle my nose and be back in those days again. They were, well, they you were got, you got fresh. a little bit of it coming up. You got your grandson now, Jake Boone, starting his professional career. So this year you're going to have the yeah. Nationals Yankees and you got the Fredericksburg Nationals. Have you finished, have you Correct. checked out your MILB app yet? Oh my gosh. Today, before you called, um, dad was sitting on the couch and we were trying to figure out if we could call up Jake's game so we could turn that on. Dad's right now sitting in the trophy room and he's watching the Nationals and the Yankees game. Jake's game isn't being broadcast today, so we can't watch Jake's game. So he's just keeping track of it on his phone. And I'm sitting out in the other room with the Yankees game on, muted. So we got the games going today. You got to get them going. Jake's... Uh... <laughs> 
Jake's, Jake's graduating from Princeton in a week or so. He's going to miss graduation. Remember when I missed my high school graduation? You remember where we were? Uh, no. I have a picture of it. We were at the Orange County All-Star Game. Oh. And yeah. I missed my, my high school graduation. <laughs> it was just in the theme of what we've been talking about. We're always missing stuff. Your dad's missing his kids being born. I'm missing graduation. Jake's going to miss his Princeton graduation next week because he's, I don't he's, think he's got baseball to play. Huh? I don't think Aaron and Matthew had their graduations either. I don't Secondary. think any of you guys made the graduations because it's right during baseball season. You all had games to play. Yeah, That's you got to get your priorities. You got to get your priorities straight. All That's right. right. That's right. We're going we're to do a little, I don't know if it's rapid fire, but keep it as short as you can. You can use as much as you want. You're going to describe all the boons, gramps. Loving but tough. Dad. Irritating. <laughs> <laughs> he was the best. Dad. Dad. Uh, oh, gosh. Dad. Um, that guy will wear you out. Fun. Yeah, Dad, he does wear me out now. I think the older he gets, he does. He wears me out. He depends on me quite a bit. And um, it makes me crazy. But he's wonderful. And he, he probably thinks I'm the most wonderful thing since buttered bread. So I can't complain about your father. He's great. All right, me? If I had to do it all over again, I'd marry him again. Me? Well, I'm sure I was the uh, easiest. <laughs> with you, I, 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 my heart constantly pounds when I think about Brett. And um, I'm constantly, I, I just love you to death and just want the most wonderful things for you. You're so good, so talented, um, just a lot of fun. You're kind of a lot like me in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, fun. All right, Uncle Aaron. Uncle Aaron, serious, quiet, um, focused, and talented in ways that I never knew he was talented in. And I'm talking about, you know, his impressions and how he can how he can copy people and how he picks up on those little nuances. I never knew he was as good at it as he is. That surprised me. He's good. He's really good at that. Uncle Matthew. Yeah, really good. Matthew is just my baby and he's uh, a great dad and um, a good, strong Christian man and a loving, loving son. Very attractive. And now we're going to go to, because he is professional now. So we made the list. We've got your grandson, Jacob Boone. Jake. Oh gosh. Handsome, intelligent, good good head on his shoulders, knows what he wants to do and he'll be successful in whatever he ends up doing, whether it's playing baseball or doing something in baseball. I mean, he's just, he's a great kid. Great kid. Very proud to be his grandma. What is the best part of being a baseball mom? I think watching your children do something that they love so much and it's not just a short-term thing. For me, it was from the time almost they could walk. That's all they wanted to do. And um, they love it so much. 
whenever you can watch your kids do things that they love, it's just very heartwarming and very, I don't know. I w- I've, I've been totally, truly blessed to have all three of you and all three of you be successful in your own right. I'm, I'm very proud. I'm a very proud mama. Fondest baseball memories. Keep it to three. (laughs) World series for sure. Philly's world series. Um, I would say, um, you and Aaron, you and Aaron, um, playing in the major leagues and probably, oh gosh, um, Aaron probably getting the Yankees job. Yeah, Those are probably cool. my three top. All right. I got two stories that I was going to ask you about. We had Jim Bowden, who at the time was the general manager for the general manager for the Cincinnati Reds. And he told a story on the mm-hmm. podcast uh, when I was traded and dad worked for the Reds at the time. I got traded to the Atlanta Braves. And at the time we were coming off, a, I was coming off a good year, but the team was OK. I was deep down. I was kind of excited because I was going to Atlanta. I knew I would have a chance maybe to go to the World Series for my first World Series. But Bowden tells the story a little differently. He said, your dad checked off on the trade. I checked off on it, but Sue Boone was mad at him for a while. Any <laughs> truth to that? I, yes, I was. I, I thought, you know, I knew, I know Jim Bowden very well. And I remember dad coming home and telling me that um, you were traded to Atlanta. And I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I thought, I've got him right here where I can watch him play. I'm enjoying him. I, I, it's, it's, such an, it's just such a wonderful thing for a mother to be able to do to see her child perform on that level and be able to go to the games. And then they trade you away. And I thought, how could you do that? Yeah, I was upset for a few days. But, you know, dad, being the level-headed guy he is, he says, hey, this is going to be good for him. He's going to be fine. You have a TV set. The end. That kind of how it was. <laughs> all right. And the other story I wanted to bring up was uh, we all know where I was. I was in the booth talking a mile a minute. No, not saying anything. When Aaron hit the home run <laughs> in, two, in 2003 uh, to send the Yankees to the World Series, I was in the booth with Tim McCarver and Joe Buck. Where were you and Dad? And what was that? Dad, I, th- I think Dad was hunting in Idaho. And I was home in Villa Park um, watching the game. And uh, I remember, uh, that's all I remember about it. It was so exciting. And I remember dad calling and Gus Osterkamp, who was a good friend of our family, he was at Gus's ranch hunting. And Gus told me that dad had been sitting in, they were watching the ball game up there. And before Aaron, when they announced Aaron going up to the plate, um, dad turned to Gus and said, he's going to hit a home run right now. And I was like, whoa. And he did. I think, I believe you did this. You did the same thing, didn't you? Well, I wouldn't say my, uh, I wasn't as optimistic. I, I remember, and we've covered this several times, but I, I, I had a little pep talk with Aaron the night before. And I got to the 
to the game that day and got in the booth and checked the lineups and Aaron's not in the lineup. Now we didn't know that the night before, but I just remember when Aaron came on deck, I remember it was Wakefield pitching. And at the time he, he was struggling against, you know, just a normal right-handed pitcher, just your, your average guy. He was struggling. And I thought if there's any time, because for the most part, hitters we don't like facing knuckleball pitchers it's almost like all right we're going to play wiffle ball today in the backyard we don't know where it's breaking so so as a general rules most hitters don't like a knuckleball pitcher but i remember thinking to myself maybe this is what he needs right now because he's got no chance off that guy or that guy (laughs) the way he's swinging but maybe it's in the cards for a knuckleball and I, I didn't necessarily think he was going to hit a home run. I was just pulling for him to get a hit because I knew how he was feeling at the time. He was having a rough series. Mm-hmm. And he hit it, and it was more surreal to me. It was more of, I can't believe, because it registered right away. As soon as he hit it, I said, that's one of the biggest home runs in the history of the game. That's what went through my brain. That's how I think. And then I, I, I was so excited for him running around the bases that I really didn't have anything to say. It's not that uh, I didn't know what to say. It's I didn't have the words. That's just what was going on inside me. I was so happy for him because I've been in that position where you're just scuffling and you're looking for anything and you're searching for that right swing. And to come up to be basically bench that game, get the opportunity hit the first pitch out of the ballpark. Nobody remembers that that year, how tough Aaron was struggling in that postseason because it's all about the home run. And that's what I said the night before. I didn't expect to be a homer. I said, Aaron, you might turn a big double play. You might hit a sacrifice fly. You might get a base hit to tie it. And all will be forgotten as long as you guys win this game today. And then it ends up being the ultimate is a walk-off. So pretty awesome, pretty awesome moment. I remember they panned to you in the booth and I remember the look of like just shock on your face. And I remember well, every, right. well everybody, everybody's telling me, aren't you going to say anything? And I said, that's what I was feeling. I remember I had the earpiece in and the, in the truck, they were saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then they came back on and they said, <laughs> no, less is more, less is more. And then they ended up liking me just staring at it. Um, yeah. And, and, and it, you know, whatever history will say it was, that's just how I was feeling at the time. And I told the story. I never would I ever go into a Yankee clubhouse. They were always the enemy to me. And that's not that I didn't respect, especially on that team. I had a lot of guys on that team that I, that I was friends with. And I have a lot of respect for. But that night was such a special night that I made my way down to the clubhouse, went into their post post-game party, which for me, you know how I am with my baseball rules. There's no way you ever go into, because I'm a current player at the time. There's no way you ever go into the, and let alone, I'm just coming off a Seattle, Seattle year where I think we won 93 or 94 games. We didn't make it to the postseason. And now I got to watch this Yankee team that has (laughs) broke my heart so many times in the postseason up until (laughs) that point, I got to watch them celebrate. But it was worth it to me because I was so happy for Aaron. And I remember going to the security and going, I I just got to go say something to my brother. I walked in. I gave him a hug. 
they're all partying. They're like, hey, Brett, are you going to stay? I said, hell no, I'm not staying. I got to get out of here. But I had to give him a hug. That was a really cool moment. I made an exception to my baseball rule just for, for that one night. Good time to make an exception. It kind of reminded me of when. Well, I, I told everybody. I said, I'll let you call me. I'll, I'll let you uh, call me Aaron's brother tonight. One night and one night only. <laughs> Because Aaron's you. always that's been my little brother. Always. Aaron's. Exactly. Oh, that's Brett's brother. Well, now he's a manager of the Yankees. So they're, oh, is, is that Aaron's brother? <laughs> and I just laugh. Because I'm like, he's always <laughs> been my brother. <laughs> but I, I completely understand and accept it. I'm actually very proud of what he's doing now. So that's, that's very cool. You know what? That is the nicest thing about all three of you boys. Um, that all of you are proud of each other and you all lift each other up at different times. And, um, that make, as a mother, I, it, that makes me happy because you all cheer for each other as hard as anybody can cheer for each other. You're all very competitive and you all want to beat each other, but yet you're the biggest supporter of each other. And I think that's admirable in any children, you know, that they can be that way. And you boys definitely are your best supporters for sure. All right, Mom. Well, that's wrapping it up. I love you. I want you to have a great Mother's Day. I, I think I've been summoned to spend Mother's Day with you, and I'm looking forward to it. But as we do every time on the Boone Podcast, we bring back the voice of the Boone Podcast, Dan Levy, for a question from the fans. Dano? Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, good. Okay, good. Ms. Mrs. Sue Boone. This one comes from Matt in Southern California, and he wants to know this one. Which of your three boys was the biggest handful? Brett. And can you pretty no please with cherries on top give me one more Brett story? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I've got she's so got many Brett stories. Just um, give me the top three. Come on, oh, and, and <laughs> just one, just one. That would take forever. I don't know. I re- I just remember. I remember when I'd go up to S. Oh, I'd set my um. I would go up to SC, and all his friends would say, "Oh, you're not going to believe what Brett did. You're not going to believe what Brett did." And and I remember he'd I, he he'd, he had this little motorbike that he'd ride all around. He'd ride it into the. Uh, houses where he'd stay and I'd go up and oh I okay this has to do with that I went up to see him one day I go to his apartment and the door was open so I thought okay he's home I walk in there it's a mess of course um I'm looking all around he's not there well he's not even there he hasn't he isn't even in town and there, there there's dishes out on the patio and in the room and I go into the kitchen. I thought, well, I'm going to straighten up a little bit as mothers do sometimes. And I'm starting to straighten up and I come across this big bag that's stapled shut and I open it up and it's got all his books in it for the year for USC, the books that he's supposed to be studying and working on. <laughs> and they're still in the bag from the beginning of the year, stapled shut. Oh my God. Sitting up down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love and it. He managed, and he managed to do well in, and uh, his three years anyway, be, besides that. But, oh, my gosh, I, I got all over him for that. I said, <laughs> your books. I said, you haven't even opened them. It's like the middle of the year. Uh, you know, he just kind of, 
I'm priorities, fine, mom. I'm fine. You, you got to just get it done. What do I need? All right, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. <laughs> well, Miss Sue Boone, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Nice talking to you guys. See you, mom. Mailbag. Okay, Brett, it is time to dig down deep into the Brett Boone mailbag. You ready to roll? Dig in, Dan. All right, Brett, this one comes from Elizabeth in Tucson, and considering it is a Mother's Day podcast, she wants to know, did you ever get nervous playing in front of your mom or grandma or your grandpa and the family that uh, knows baseball so well? Absolutely not. Um, You know, Mom, she was so involved in our childhoods. I mean, Mom was at every game, my football games, my basketball games, my baseball games. So Mom was there. All the time. I think, and and I never got nervous. I wouldn't ever call it nervous. But when Gramps was there or dad was there, uh, I'd have a little extra, you know, I'm going to kick ass today. Because dad doesn't get to see me play too often. And Gramps makes it when he can. You know, he lived in San Diego and I was in Orange County. So he'd come up for the big games, but he wasn't there on a daily basis. He was still scouting at the time. But yeah, I'd, I'd have to say when when dad or, or gramps were in the crowd, it, I wanted to do a little extra, something extra special that day. All right, Brett, this one comes from Kenny in El Paso, and he wants to know, the 2001 Mariners won over 100 games, the most regular season wins in the history of the game, but no ring. How did you and the guys handle that? That is a good question. That year was the regular season was so unbelievable. I don't think we lost a series until September. So our worst series going into September with another team was two and two. Um, it was just an assumed thing that year. I mean, we went to Cleveland for the first round of the playoffs and it was just like, you know, we're going to win. It's just a matter of time. Let's just get this over with, get to the Yankees who we had, who we had beat up pretty good all year. So they were going to be an easy deal for us. And then we didn't even think about who we were going to play in the world series. And we got to the Yankees and we played the worst I'd seen our team play the entire season. Yankees didn't particularly play that well either. Uh, they just made less mistakes. And I remember being on that bus, um, leaving Yankee stadium and kind of shock just looking around because all the success we had that that year, it it wasn't supposed to end that way. And even today, you know, when when we get together with the guys from that Oh one team, we just look at each other like, how did we not finish that? And uh, you know, we like to come up with excuses now it's (laughs) to win the 116 games and the press that we had following us all year. It's almost like we let down once we broke, you know, once we had the record of 116, but uh, still to this day, you know, it's, it's uh, disappointing, but it, but it won't take away from that, that magical season. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the Brett Boone Mailbag, as well as the Brett Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy, and I am the technical director, producer, as well as the voice of the Boone Podcast. The executive producer of the Boone Show is Rich Herrera. Digital content is all handled by Liz Landry. Please share the Boone Podcast with neighbors, friends, and all those who love the game of baseball and sports. And make sure you subscribe to the Boone Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. And while you're at it, 
please give us a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boone Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boone Podcast, I'm Dan Levy. Thanks for listening. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>